so back it's not even funny that's right so yeah this week we are reading a brand new script uh we are reading under the stairs by Stephen sally it is very scary it's spooky it's Uh-oh. very spooky so Uh-oh. don't worry if you're worried about the christmas invasion of thanksgiving thankfully we're still in halloween yeah i'm thankful for that this is the halloween invasion of thanksgiving as exactly a matter of fact. uh one thing uh to note we're going to try to do our green lit, I think, this weekend. Yes. yes. I'm sorry. I think this upcoming weekend. Mostly sorry to my father. He's been waiting on our us uh, watching The Thing. Uh, it will be John Carpenter's The Thing once again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is supposed to be from October, so we still will also have a November green lit as yes. well. Don't you worry. But, yes, we will also be having uh, an October green lit. Our October green lit is coming out soon. We promise. Yes. Uh, so if you're if you're missing Halloween, if you're like, man, I can't believe it's almost another year until that happens again. Don't worry, we got you covered on this episode and on our green lit episode. That's right. Uh, speaking of green lit, uh, we do still have some stuff happening on our Patreon. We actually yes, we just do. posted a Mass Singer UK recap episode. Uh, if you listen to our other podcast, who is it? The yes. Mass Singer podcast. Um, so yeah, we have some bonus content for this show on there and some bonus content for that. So definitely check that out if you want a way to directly support the show. Yeah, um, definitely. if you would like a way to support the show for freezies that only takes like 30 for seconds, free. we highly recommend leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. If you don't have an iPhone, steal someone's iPhone and leave us Do a rating it. and review on Apple Podcasts. Thief, thievery is okay when it's for us. That's right. I'll say I mean, it. you can give it back. You can just borrow it, leave us a review, and then give it back. There you That's go. That's fine. That would be perfect. Uh, also, feel free to follow us on social media at TGL underscore pod. We have yes. not been as active on there as we would have liked to, oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, we will uh, we'll do something. <laughs> Maybe we'll if you follow us, we'll post something. That is true. Uh, that is true. Gotcha. We, we definitely will do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's all our housekeeping stuff. Do we have any new reviews, Lauren? Let me check up? real quick. Uh, uh, can you do some music in the meantime? Do 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 do. You you're playing an you're playing an episode right now. Out yeah, loud. I know. Okay, that's how you get to it, and it's not out loud. Um, <laughs> it does not appear that we have any new ratings. Very gotcha. sad. Gotcha. Sad. So sad. that's why we need you guys. Yeah. Uh, also. I guess, you know, we're done with housekeeping stuff now. Please read us uh, rating and review. Uh, thank you for, for coming back. It's been a little bit. It's been yeah. about a month. Actually, exactly a month. Yes. But, uh, well, we're exactly back. four weeks. Exactly four weeks. So really even more frequent than a month. That's so true. So you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's exciting to be back. I'm, I'm happy to be uh, doing the green light again. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. you got to say about our return? I don't think so. I mean, this is kind of just what we do now. It's not it's quite what a we do now. out and back kind of deal. True. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is true. So get used to this, folks. Uh, so um, before we get into our scripts, before we get into our fire <sighs> interview, uh, let's do a little detour. Beep, let's beep. do a detour. So this is a segment where we talk about something we've consumed in the past week, whether it be a movie, a TV show, or past month, movie, past four weeks, movie, <laughs> TV show, a 10-year-old video game, book, anything of the sort. Uh, we have an old movie, and we have a new movie. So uh, which would you like to do first, Lauren? I've actually seen both of these. Lauren's seen the one this she's going to talk about. Yeah. Oh, this one. So Lauren will start. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm talking about Disney's The Country Bears. Yes. Of course. Disney's you know? The Country's Bears, of course. Now, I actually realized we mentioned this on the show in the past couple of months because Did we were we? talking about um, Jungle Cruise and we were talking oh, about movies based on rides. Oh, you're and right, you're this right. This is one of those, or attractions, I guess, in this case. True. Um, so this is a 2002 movie, like you said, based on The Country Bear Jamboree at Disney... Park slash land locations. Yes. Uh, it is a 2002 movie rated G. Rated Directed G. by Peter Hastings, written by Mark Perez. Peter Hastings. I'm pretty sure that's the dad's name of Spencer Hastings in Pretty Little Liars. But yeah. uh, anyway, we can dive into that later on our own time. Sure. Uh, here's a synopsis. Barry Barrington. Yep. 
guess what? He's a bear. <laughs> no one else seems to realize he's a bear except for him, but he's a bear. And his brother. That's true. Uh, brother. And his brother. His brother. <laughs> uh, go, Barry Barrington goes on an adventure to save Country Bear Hall by getting the Country Bears back together for a reunion concert. Yeah. So literally the plot of The Muppets 2011. Yeah. True. <laughs> this one is, uh, it's pretty straightforward, I would say, overall. It's literally a, we have to put on a show to raise money, save the nostalgic thing. And a get back, get the band back together movie. Exactly. Yeah. This is a get a band back together movie. Yeah. However, I will say, I was so shocked by how genuinely funny this movie was. Yeah, I, I think we can go ahead and get into that. Um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Genuinely... I, we were watching this. And we were like, "Is this a good movie?" And I think the answer we came to was yes. Yeah. It, it, Jackson it gave it five a good stars on Letterbox. I did. I don't know if it was just now. We watched this with a with a, a decent sized group of people. You know, obviously, you all know we live with a we live with people uh, a, a large group of people, and we also had a couple of friends over as well. So you know, it was a, it was a environment environment conducive to watching something like the Country For Bears. For sure. But I think we watched it intending to kind of make fun of it yeah. and we didn't really it was, it was hard it was great <laughs> it was hard to make fun of now it wasn't hard to talk about because there That's were a true. lot of things you know it's definitely a good movie to sit down with a group of friends and you know talk about laugh about etc yeah. but there were genuinely like there were a lot of things about this movie that i genuinely liked like yeah. i think the characterization of the bears while not groundbreaking is really really funny they were all really distinct which was fun yeah um and the music slaps the music hard slaps hard i'm very disappointed that it's not i'm very disappointed that nice. it's not on spotify nice yeah it is it's it, if it was on spotify i'd listen to it 12 times by now and we like just watched this one um another thing that i think is really good about this movie is that, like you said there are just like genuinely funny moments in it i think the the fact that no one like People know Barry's a bear, but no one wants to talk about it besides his brother. Yeah. His human it's brother hilarious. is hilarious. It's it's really funny the way they do that. Also, uh, one of the police officers, Diedrich Bader, is hilarious. So funny. Has such a hilarious character. He looks kind of like Michael Sparks, just in that picture. Who was over? Diedrich? Yeah. Diedrich Bader? Yeah. Diedrich Bader is, is one of those guys who... You know it when you see him, but you don't exactly know what you've seen him from. Right. Uh, you know, he, he's been in a lot, like he's been in Office Space, Napoleon Dynamite, stuff like that. He does a lot of voice acting as well, so you probably will recognize his voice if you don't recognize his face. Um, he, he's outstanding in this. Yeah. Um, the story, it's heartwarming. I'll say it. It's a heartwarming story. It is heartwarming. Yeah. Um, now, I will say one thing that I do kind of want to address about this movie. There are a couple things in this that aren't great, haven't aged well. And there was one, like, anti-Semitic joke in it yeah. that was not great. So yeah. please know that when we talk about this movie and the good things about it, we are not talking about that. Yeah, of course. Um, and be, of course. be prepared for that and aware of that. Did but. you also say some of the people who were in this movie? Because it, it does know. have some pretty big it like, has a pretty voice names. Cast. Uh, so Diedrich Bader, as I mentioned, Haley Joel Osment voices Barry Barrington. Uh, Brad Garrett voices one of the bears. Uh, Stephen Root voices one of the bears. Christopher Walken plays the villain. Uh, True. Christopher Walken, he doesn't take a day off, man. He he is in it. He really doesn't. And he is... He will take a check. Yeah, and he will act his heart out while doing so. Uh, Stephen Tab Tabalowski is someone, another person whose name you might not know, but whose face you certainly know. You definitely recognize him. Queen Latifah's in this, has a, um, has a cameo. Queen Latifah has a cameo. Um, Willie Nelson has a cameo. This is like basically a Muppets movie. Yeah. Elton John has a cameo yes. too. I wonder if that's kind of the vibe they were going for with this. I think so. I mean, because this was also before they owned the Muppets. So they were like, we're just going to do a Muppet thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I don't know if this is just like, I always, CGI affects things. I'm impressed by the smallest thing. I tend to not focus on how bad CGI is in things. But overall, besides the eyes, the eyes were kind of weird at some points. Overall, I thought the the bears were solid. Like they yeah, didn't like really the look too weird. Yeah, because it it was mostly animatronics with a little bit of CGI on their face. Uh, but I thought it worked well. You yeah. know, I, I I was never too creeped out in well, a way that took too, me out. I would much rather, as an actor, have to act at a bunch of animatronics 
than CGI, act at sure. well act at you know something that's completely not there <laughs> yeah yeah you know i something had something that's like a person with a bunch of dots on it yeah i had to do that for my uh monster jam commercial oh which i was what, cut there out wasn't of. a monster truck no you were cut out of it yeah well, at least you got paid uh, i guess well, unless they're unless they're gonna release another cut of the commercial but i i i have seen the commercial with other people who i was in the spot with oh no and i am not in it which like it makes sense my part is like it's not like inappropriate humor but it's definitely not like child humor you know what i'm saying sure. like it's a little bit of like you know just cheeky like kind of dry humor in a way mm-hmm. which like doesn't exactly appeal to kids. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand why I was cut out, but that was my first commercial, so that that sucks. But got another one coming oh, out well. for you folks, so if uh, might might put that on our uh, <laughs> on our Instagram. And you were in a movie. What are you talking about? And I was in a movie. Fix. You can't see it in theaters anymore, unless you're in North Carolina, actually. That's true. If you're in I North Carolina, go to Chapel Hill at the We variety. can plug that. Yeah. Uh, the Varsity Theater, Lauren. Oh, I thought it was the, the variety. Never theater. mind. No. Uh, but yeah, if you want, if you are in North Carolina and you're listening to this, uh, if you're in the Chapel Hill area, it is uh, uh, North Carolina premiere November 13th at the Varsity Theater. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on Friday, <laughs> uh, it'll be tomorrow. <laughs> it will be tomorrow. But, you know, it, it should be a, a really fun experience. I got to watch it on a big screen. This is the movie fix that I was in, by the way, the movie musical that we've mentioned a couple times on the show. But, yeah, we had our uh, L.A. screening out here. Uh, it was a really cool experience. It was really awesome. It was definitely nerve-wracking just having a, an audience see it who has not seen it yet, even though I've seen it like 15 times at this point. But really cool experience. So, yeah, if you want to support us, uh, go see it in North Carolina. It's being played there. It's also being played the 15th, I believe, uh, in Greensboro. Uh, yes. At, that's at a film festival. I don't know if it's like what the admission is like for that one, but I, I think you can still get tickets for that if if you want to as well and you're in uh, Greensboro. Greensboro? Winston-Salem. I lied. It's Winston-Salem. Oh, at the Aperture. Right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Okay. Sorry for hey. the sidetrack. Anything else about Country Bears? I think that's about it. Okay. Sounds good. It's on uh, Disney Plus? It is on Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Yes, it is on Disney Plus, so definitely give it a watch. Uh, the movie I'm going to talk about... um is similar to the country bears in that it's a western vibe okay even though i country bears i guess is southern south southern western whatever but this one as opposed to western yeah this one is western western uh a proper western the harder they fall uh this movie was just released on netflix i think maybe last week because i i watched it uh, a couple days ago at this point um the harder they fall is a 2021 film western film uh, this movie was written by, uh, James, written and directed by James Samuel, uh, also written by Boaz, uh, Yakin, Yakin, I believe. Um, this movie stars, hold on, I had it pulled up because the IMDb type, is type, weird. Type, type, type. Uh, this movie also has a pretty stacked cast, so, uh, bear with me for a second. This movie, the harder they cast. Oh, shoot. <laughs> the harder they fall, Cass. Good job, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> this movie stars Jonathan Mazer, J- Majors, Zazie Beetz, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, hey. uh, Regina King, Idris Elba, uh, Danielle Deadweiler, Edai That's a name that like, sounds like it would be in a Western. Right? Yeah. And uh, Damon Wayans Jr. Has a, has a small part in it as well. Uh, so a pretty sad cast. If you don't know Jonathan Majors, he's a face you're definitely going to get to know. Uh, first off, he was outstanding in this movie. Second off, he's been in a lot of big things recently. Uh, some of those things include Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, To Five Bloods. Uh, so he's kind of been uh, everywhere lately. He's also was going to be playing Kang the Conqueror in an upcoming Ant-Man movie, which is uh, which I can. You know, once you get into the MCU, you kind of you kind of made it. I feel like, and, he, and that's going to be a pretty big role, I assume. So back to this movie, though. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty basic story. You start off with uh, Jonathan Major's character, whose name is Nat Love. You start off with him as a young boy. This outlaw sort of comes in. He has a beef with Nat's parents. He kills him. You know, that, that's not really a spoiler. It happens at the very beginning of the movie. That's so, not really a spoiler. That's not really a spoiler. How dare you? 
so fast forward, uh, Nat's all grown up. He's sort of become an outlaw himself, uh, kind of enacting revenge on all the people who have uh, who have wronged him, including the other person who was involved in the murder of his parents. Uh, but, you know, he kind of wants to settle down now. He says, I'm done, because uh, he thinks, and at, for a time it was true, Idris Elba's character, who is, um, gosh, what was his name? Um, it's a it's a pretty sweet name, Rufus Buck. Ooh. Rufus Buck is such a good Western name, my God. Uh, Rufus Buck. I can't Buck's think in... of Rufus without thinking of the naked mole rat and Kim Possible, though. And that's fair. Um, so basically, uh, Rufus Buck is in prison. Nat's like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to do this. He wants to settle down with Zazie Beats, uh, aka Mary Fields. But guess what? Rufus gets out of prison. And Nat Love says one last time. Also, Nat Love and his gang uh, stole from the uh, the Rufus Buck gang uh, because ah. they didn't know who it was. They were just, you know, stealing from them. And so now... Stealing from John Wick. Yeah. Now they both have beef. It, it comes to a head in this film. Um, pretty simple plot. You know, it, it's the, the plot itself is not groundbreaking. However, I think a couple things stand out about this movie that... that definitely make it worth a watch uh number one is the acting once again like i said this definitely has some heavy hitters in it uh like jonathan majors is going to be a star if he isn't already and you can tell by this movie uh zazie beats is always great idris elba regina king are always great too but some of the side characters as well who are names you might not recognize as much they were outstanding as well and oh lakeith stanfield also god this stack this cast is so stacked um, the stacked is so cast. The stacked is so cast. So uh, definitely worth watching just for that. Um, and you know, w- one thing it, that's really cool to see is is a western with like a, a major majorly black cast. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's really cool to see that. Um, and you know, because if, if fun history lesson, uh, most um, cowboys actually were either black or Hispanic. You know, despite all the the white cowboys we see in film. Not that there weren't white cowboys, but it's really cool to see that representation in this film. For sure. Number two, the thing that really stands out about this is the cinematography, actually. They do some really cool things with the camera that keeps you engaged the whole time. You know, this is a over two hour long movie. And, um, you know, I I really felt like I was never bored. I think they do a great job of keeping the pace up. And it really helps because it's a visually interesting movie. Uh, Me and my dad were talking about it and he was saying that, you know, you could go back and watch this movie with the sound off and probably have just as good of an experience just because of how, you know, how how pretty this movie really is and the, the cool, interesting things that they do with the shots. So, um, The Harder They Fall, it's on Netflix, just released. Get on the hype train. Uh, it's definitely worth it. That's the hype train. All aboard. Coming up next. Coming up next. Again, we are reading Under the Stairs by Stephen Sally. See you soon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the green light. Green light. I wanted to sing that because it was uh I'm used to doing the Mass Singer podcast. So uh <laughs> but we're here. Uh we are reading the script Under the Stairs by, by Stephen Sally. Ooh. We could have done that in unison, but I stopped. Dang it. Well, uh-huh. it's just it's not just me and Lauren today. We have a special guest who you all have met before. Margaret. Margaret's back. How are you, Margaret? I'm so great. Thanks for having me again. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're happy to have you, Margaret. We really are. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll... Uh, no more niceties. We can just get straight into the script. So, right. uh, as you know, it's me. I will be reading for the character of Heath. Uh, I will be reading Action Lines and also uh, The Child Young Boy. <laughs> and I'm reading for Nikki. Sweet. Awesome. Okay. All right, shall we dive in? Let's dive. Let's dive. Under the Stairs, written by Stephen Sally. Exterior suburban house, day. Summer is in full swing. Kids playing in the street, people mowing their lawns, barbecues. A U-Haul sits out front of a brick two-story, the hatch open. Only a dozen boxes or so left to unload. Interior suburban house, foyer, day. Nikki, 30s, worn sweats, stands near the door, box on her hip. She's eyeing a closet under the stairs leading to the second floor. Heath, 40, ripped jeans and a t-shirt, descends the stairs. He heads for the front door, stops as he passes Nikki. What's wrong? Nikki doesn't take her eyes off the closet. 
I just think it's weird that it's the only door in the place they didn't have a key for. Are we doing this again? Sweetheart, people lose keys, okay? The realtor said she'd get us another key. Heath takes the box out of her hand, sits it on the floor. We need to hurry. We've only got the U-Haul for another hour. But what if there's something creepy under there? You watch too many horror movies. Heath hurries outside. Nikki forces her eyes away from the closet, turns around, and follows him. Interior suburban house, living room, evening. Rock music plays from Nikki's phone as she and Heath unpack some boxes. They hang pictures on the walls, stack some DVDs on the entertainment center. Interior suburban house, kitchen, evening. Nikki and Heath sit at the table eating pizza. They smile and laugh. Interior suburban house, bedroom, night. Nikki and Heath are out cold, a few boxes still sitting around their bed. Moonlight shines through the blinds. Nikki stirs in her sleep, rolls over, slowly gets out of bed and heads for the bathroom. Interior suburban house, bedroom, moments later. Nikki emerges from the bathroom, heading back to bed. She's halfway to the mattress when she hears, thud, 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 coming from downstairs. Nikki freezes in her tracks, then hears the noise again. Nikki darts over to Heath, shaking him. Heath, Heath, get up, I heard something downstairs. Heath grunts. It's probably just the wind blowing a branch against the house or something. We've got an alarm system. If someone was breaking in, we'd know. That's it? You're not gonna go check? No response. He's already out. Nikki sighs, rolling her eyes, grabs the baseball bat in the corner. Interior suburban house, upstairs hallway, night. Nikki stands on the landing, hands gripped firmly on the bat. Cautiously, she tiptoes down the stairs, peering over the banister. She reaches the bottom, flicks on the lights. Everything is in order, no signs of a break-in. Nikki checks the front door. It's still locked. She glances into the living room. Nothing in there either. She turns, starts for the kitchen. As she passes the closet, thud, thud, thud. Nikki spins around, eyes transfixed on the closet, moves closer. A soft scraping comes from the interior of the closet, like fingernails clawing for escape. Nikki inches closer, closer, closer. She jiggles the handle. It's still locked. Help me! Nikki screams. She turns, books it up the stairs. Interior, suburban house, bedroom, night. Nikki bounds into the room, throws herself onto the bed, shaking Heath violently. Someone's in the house! Interior, suburban house, foyer, night. Heath pulls on the doorknob. It still won't budge. Nikki stands behind him, still holding the bat. Heath pounds on the door. Anyone in there? They wait. No response. Heath turns to Nikki. Sure you want dreaming or sleepwalking or something? I know what I heard. Someone's in there. It sounded like a child. They wanted help. So you think the owners of this house moved, locked a kid in the closet, left them alive, and just took off? I heard it. You have to believe me. Heath turns back to the closet, beats on the door. If someone's in there and needs help, speak now or forever hold your peace. Nothing. Heath turns off the light, takes Nikki's face in his hands. We've been under a lot of stress. With losing the baby and moving, you just need some rest. Come back to bed. Heath climbs the stairs. Nikki looks at the closet, not sure if she's crazy or if it really happened. Interior suburban house, living room, morning. Heath is in the process of mounting the TV to a wall mount. Nikki sits on the couch, her gaze locked on the closet door. Heath sees her. We didn't hear anything for the rest of the night. We haven't heard a peep all morning. I'm telling you, it was just a dream. I wasn't dreaming. It felt so real. They usually do, babe. Nikki doesn't look remotely calmed by this. Heath decides to try a different approach. Things will be fine. I promise. I'm not going to let anything hurt you, okay? Nikki nods, still unconvinced. Interior, suburban house, bedroom, night. Heath is fast asleep. Nikki lies beside him, staring up at the ceiling, wide awake. Then she hears it. The thud again, coming from downstairs. Nikki calmly gets out of bed and leaves the room, not even bothering to grab the bat. Interior suburban house, foyer, night. The thud and scrape grow louder. Help me! Help me! 
Nikki walks to the closet, sits down in front of it. She looks on the verge of tears. I can help you, or at least I can try. I'm not sure if any of this is real. Maybe it's all in my head. Maybe I am crazy. The noise abruptly stops. You're not afraid of me? I was at first, but I think if you were going to hurt us in some way, you would have by now. I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to get out of here. How long have you been in there? I don't know. My mom and dad kept me in here as long as I can remember. Everyone who moves in just ignores me. You're the first one who can hear me. Nikki struggles to take this in. Who could do that to their child? I don't think they wanted me. Will you be my new mommy? I don't think you want me as your mom. I'm not cut out to be a mother. Why? That's not fair. Tears stream down Nikki's cheeks. No. It's not. Suddenly the lights flick on. Nikki looks up. Heath stands at the foot of the stairs, groggy and confused. Who are you talking to? Nikki wipes the tears on her sleeve. There's a child in there. His parents kept him locked up. You have to believe me. Heath rubs his eyes. This has to stop. You're losing it. There's no one in there, honey. I swear, there is. Please believe me. Interior garage, night. Heath grabs a hammer out of a large box of tools. Interior suburban house, foyer, night. Heath smashes the doorknob to the closet. It skirts across the hardwood floor. Heath kicks the door open, pulls the string for the light inside. Heath stops, shaking his head. It's empty. Just some dusty boxes of old cleaning supplies and brooms. Heath steps to the side, allowing Nikki to get a better look. There's nothing in there. That's not true. There has to be. Look for yourself. A beat. Nikki takes a few deep breaths, looks inside. Her mouth drops. More tears flow down her face as she reacts to what she's seeing. Heath looks surprised. What's wrong? Nikki! She doesn't answer. Her gaze is frozen inside the closet. Nikki! Nikki's POV. A young boy, no older than nine, hangs from the neck by a dirty rope. Heath looks back in the closet, trying to see what is Nikki's attention. He still sees nothing. Heath takes Nikki by the shoulders, shakes her gently. Nikki, what is it? Inside the closet, visible only to Nikki, the young boy lifts his head, brings a finger to his lips. Shh. Smash to black. End. Everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light. You got Jackson here. And Lauren. And who do we have with us today, Lauren? We are here with our writer of the week of Under the Stairs, Stephen Sally. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. We're, we are excited to have you here today. Uh, so let's just dive right into us. Uh, Stephen, uh, I know you mentioned you were a bit ahead of us time-wise. So where exactly are you calling us from? I am in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I will refrain from singing the song, but I guess Jackson did not. (laughs) Um, Is this our first Oklahoma guest we've had? I think so. Yeah. We're really going all 50 states here on the green line. We have to get someone from everyone. (laughs) Um, Well, perfect. Uh, uh, Welcome and congrats on being our first Oklahoma guest on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, so we also like to always ask our writers what your writer origin story is. How did you get started writing? Uh, I honestly do not know. When I was a teenager, I just decided I wanted to try it, and I've been writing ever since. I was always the kid that loved telling stories and making stuff up and, I guess, lying to my parents. <laughs> and um, and I, I don't know. I liked writing uh, like novel format. And then just decided to give screenwriting a try, and I just fell in love with it and the format. And I, I there's something about describing something in as like as few words as possible that I find very interesting. I don't know why, but I just find it very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing it for about 15 years at this point. 
Nice. That's awesome. That is interesting that you went from uh, novel writing, which is something that is describing something in the most words possible, to (laughs) to screenwriting, which is describing in the least words possible. Uh, Do you still write novels today or you stick mostly with uh, screenwriting? Uh, Now I pretty much stick with screenwriting. Every once in a blue moon, if uh, I get an idea for something that I think is more cerebral that wouldn't work as well visually i'll write it as a short story or something but yeah it's pretty much all scripts at this point gotcha gotcha you've moved on you've moved on yeah yeah i've moved on (laughs) uh so let's go ahead and just dive into the scripts uh first off what inspired you to write a horror script uh that's one of my favorite genres to write i like writing in every genre but i seem to always come back to horror and drama and dark like messed up stuff inevitably when i the the people that i let read my stuff i always get the thing it's like okay when am i going to cry when am i going to be like oh did we need to go there <laughs> like yeah, page, pa- page seven probably <laughs> yeah the, uh, are you okay steven <laughs> I, yeah i get that a lot it's like do you need help like do we need uh-huh. to get you somebody to talk to and i'm like i'm just exercising demons let me have my process <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go do you find yourself drawn to that kind of work uh when you're consuming media as far as like you know horror movies tv shows uh other literature stuff like that or is it mostly just uh when you're creating work uh i i send, i tend to just be kind of drawn to that in general i'm mm-hmm. i really got into um ari aster recently with the uh, hereditary midsummer sure. i really like the that kind of stuff and that's the that's the kind of horror that i would like to make and for some reason, I just find myself very drawn to it. For sure, for sure. Now that you say that, I definitely see those vibes in this. I don't know if this was uh, inspired by that at all, but uh, I, I can totally see that sort of creepy and, you know, that, that Ari Aster mm-hmm. vibe for sure in yeah. the script. Even mm-hmm. though Jackson still hasn't seen Midsummer. Yeah, but I've seen oh. Hereditary, so I oh. get it. <laughs> I get it. And, and you host this podcast. I, you're right. How dare you? <laughs> you're right. Lauren has literally been trying to get me to watch it for like... For like two years. <laughs> yeah. But I, every time I'm like, eh, that feels like a commitment to me. It's like, it yeah, it's, it's like, can I emotionally go through this right now? Like, exactly. Do I have it in me? Yeah. And so far, the answer has been no. One day, Lauren, the <laughs> answer it. will be I yes. I did like Hereditary, though. I did like Hereditary. So mm-hmm. once I get in that mindset, I'll sit down, watch Midsummer, and then we'll all come back together and discuss it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife didn't get it. She was like, I don't, this is too much for me. And I was just like, oh, come on, but it's perfect. And she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> No, I, good. are you okay? I love a good daytime yeah. horror movie. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know, and I, I liked Midsummer better than Hereditary for me mm-hmm. personally. But um, but yeah, they're they're definitely both really just unique horror films. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's the kind of stuff I would like to make. Ideally, the dream is to ultimately get to Hollywood and you know make a successful career out of it. And that's the kind of stuff that I would personally like to make the most. For sure. Um, so speaking of horror, it seems like in every horror movie, there's always the skeptic, right? Someone who doesn't believe the protagonist stories of the, the monsters mm-hmm. under the bed or, or the stairs in this case. Mm-hmm. So what purpose do you think the skeptic serves in a horror script? And how did you create the character of Heath to serve that purpose? Well, the way I look at it, I think that audiences want the character that's them that they can kind of latch on to. It's the character in the sci-fi movie that doesn't isn't familiar with this and has to be brought up to speed it's they're the person that wants to speak for the audience so the audience say well i i wouldn't believe that if my wife friend brother whatever if they were telling me this stuff was going on i i would want to but i just don't know if i would believe it and so i tried to make it come from a very realistic place of where he truly loves his wife but he's honestly wondering what is going on because she's hearing this stuff he can't and so what is going on there because i actually adapted this into a 30 minute version which i thought would be just a little too long to read for your, your show um, <laughs> sure, sure, but, sure. <laughs> but uh but i expanded the motivation to explain that um they had uh lost a baby through a miscarriage and uh, it was just a lot more of her trying to cope with reality and kind of explain that maybe this was i, I like like the emotionally and uh, ambiguous type endings and stuff and i was trying to go for a tone that was okay is this really happening is this just in her head as a way to deal with what she went through and um the one person i read got it immediately uh that i let read it they said okay so it was like the closet her womb and the rope the umbilical cord and i was like you you can see it that way (laughs) Uh, wow (laughs) again another one of those things where they were like oh it's good 
what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was like, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I think helps the character if he, like you said, is that he is very sympathetic towards mm-hmm. Nikki. Like, you know, if yeah, he's, not, he's not just like, go crazy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. And and I think that helps the audience. Like, it, it keeps the audience conflicted as well because you're like, well, he seems like, you know, he's he's trying to do what's best for Nikki. And but, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't see it, but she does. But she seems convinced that she sees it. I don't know which mm-hmm. whose side I'm on. Uh, not that there's even necessarily sides in this one, but just like. Who is right? Who who's seeing yeah. what they're seeing? And you know, I think the answer in this one is that both are right. Both are seeing what they're seeing, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, mm. wh- what do you think a horror script would look like without someone who plays that skeptic role? You know, like what what if either everyone does see it or is scared, or if everyone is like, oh yeah, here's exactly what we're gonna do now, 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 and now, like super prepared. Do you think that uh, that would be an interesting twist on it, or do you think that the skeptic is sort of a necessary part of horror movies? Uh, to me, at least, I think they're very necessary. I think with at least this kind of horror, something that like hauntings or ghosts that nobody can see, but the main character and that kind of stuff. I think you need some people to be skeptical to just make it believable. Mm-hmm. Because if you tell someone you saw a ghost, nine out of 10 people are going to be like, you're probably crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those kind of things where it just, to me, helps the believability and the realism to have characters don't just automatically go, okay, you're telling me this extremely weird, unbelievable thing. I'm going to take it short. But you don't want people to be horrible and just be like, you're an idiot. I'm going to lock you up. Like, you know, you need something in the middle to where they seem concerned if they're family or close friends, but they're in the back of their head, they're like, okay, I don't know if I believe this, but they sure seem to. So is there something there? Like what's going on? For sure. Yeah. Um. So... Speaking of, you know, the monster under the stairs, the horror under the stairs, I guess, uh, in your script, the monster under the stairs is actually a little boy, something that is conventionally harmless. So why did you choose this seemingly harmless entity as opposed to something that could actually hurt the couple? Uh, again, it ties back to the uh, the longer version of where she lost the baby. And so, again, it ties into what's going on with her psychologically. And, you know, maybe you could interpret it that she did imagine all this as just a way to cope with what she's going through but i wanted something other than i didn't want to do like a ghost i didn't want to do a typical monster per se type thing so i was looking for something that could maybe be a little different and do something because if you put a creepy kid in a horror script you're kind of tiptoeing on the cliche line and where do you diverge and where do you follow the conventions and stuff and so I thought, well, this could be something different that is still a creepy kid, but it's can tie back to something that's more emotionally resonant, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. For sure. I also think it's sort of like the the boy gives Nikki the motivation to keep going back and to to be sympathetic sort of like you were saying because you know if it is something creepy if it's a scary monster you know maybe she like you know either breaks in and just starts you know beating it down or like is, is totally like you know uh, repelled by it but I think this is it's a nice mixture of that like fear of like what is this what what could this do to me while also being like oh like super sympathetic towards it like oh this is you know th- this could a be something that needs that, help yeah, yeah. Need, needs my help so it's it's a nice mixture of uh, of fear and uh compassion i think that we have mixed up in here yeah i you. do think that um i like that this doesn't necessarily have that element of like we have to get out of the house oh no now the doors are locked this child is keeping us inside and i don't know mm-hmm. if any of those appear in the longer version but i like that the the child is a very non-threatening entity even mm. though it would be very scary to someone like Heath. Yeah. And I guess v- very non-threatening like physically because we keep bringing up that non-threatening. Obviously there's a lot of mental and emotional trauma that's that's going on here, but For sure, um, for sure. But the child itself is not threatening act- harm. Yeah, the actual the the physical harm that I feel like, you know, you typically come to expect from a lot of horror movies is mm-hmm. is not I- as present here in in this script necessarily. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so uh, uh, another we we sort of touched on this subject a lot of you know the Nikki's miscarriage and you know her specific um, uh, attachment. 
why do you think Nikki is the only one who can see the boy? Because obviously, you know, it's a different experience for Heath, of course. But, you know, at the same time, it it, it is an experience that he went through as well to a certain extent. Uh, why do you think Nikki's the only one who's who's going through this? Well, the way I wanted it to be interpreted as I like with what I like about ambiguous stories is people can kind of interpret what they want. But uh, to pull back the curtain and say where I was coming from, I wanted to look at it as uh, Heath has basically moved on the quote unquote right way or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, mm. he's grieved, he's gone through his process. Um, it's been a few months since this has happened, since they lost the baby. And so, you know, he's moved past it uh, in a certain sense, whereas um, she has not. And so it's still stewing on her and she just can't bring herself to move past this. So it could be a personification of her guilt and her trauma. It could be real. It could, you know, but uh, I, to me, it's basically in her mind, the way I like to look at it is this is just one big, long, traumatic incident that's happening in her head that really only does exist to her. And that's why I wanted to keep it away from the cliches, because like you said, it would have been very easy to have the kid break out of the under the stairs and then they can't get out of the house and then they can't you know and i i didn't want to do that i wanted to keep and especially the longer version it uh kind of like hereditary where it's horror but it's also like a really messed up family drama and i kind of yeah, like sure. exploring exploring that aspect of and the longer version i would honestly maybe call a drama more perhaps because other than her hearing this stuff, there's really not any horror in it in the longer version. Mm -hmm. It really is the right. drama of what she's going through and trying to basically in the longer version, we see various scenes of her trying to try to live a normal life and get back to like her old ways and try to move on. But she just can't. And she just keeps coming back to the back to the closet, back to the closet until finally he just can't take it anymore. And he's like, I'm going to prove to you there's nothing in there. And then so I liked the little moment of having him see nothing. He's like, there, see, I show, I told you there's nothing here. And then she's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I liked having that. Um, and I played around with the, uh, having the kid whisper like shush. Um, I, I, I had various drafts where I had that out where she just sees the kid and then that's it. Then I had the kid saying stuff, but I didn't really like him actually having dialogue there. So I was like, let's just stick with the shush. Like, don't tell anyone, you know, this mm -hmm. is between you and I kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. i go ahead oh no no you go ahead oh i i was just gonna say i think f this works really for heath as well because like we were talking about before he's sort of that character that the audience like you know understands a little more it's like okay yeah i probably would be more be the heath in this situation so it, it makes sense for him to be a bit more of the stable one because then you can you know sort of latch onto him if you need to um i also think it's interesting because i think you know, he could also, in a way, and I don't think it's necessarily written this way uh, in the script, but it could be, like, him just in denial as well. You know, she, mm -hmm. she, uh, both of them experiencing their grief in, you know, sort of different ways. Like, he's just trying to push it out of his life as much as he can, mm -hmm. like, ignore, 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 this isn't real, uh, while she's going through a very different emotional experience. So uh, I think it's interesting how sort of uh, both of those can be uh, the, the way we see how Heath is going through this. For mm -hmm. sure. Uh, so last script question, definitely not as serious. I don't know. This one's probably the most serious. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> is there a version of the script where the thing that's under the stairs is actually a young boy wizard with a scar on his head? I thought about that, but I was like, I'll probably get sued. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, that was, yeah, that was in the first draft, but I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> It's funny. We actually, um, at the house we live with our uh, roommates, we have a uh, little uh, closet under the stairs that we call our Harry Potter closet. So uh, mm -hmm. luckily haven't heard any thudding. But um, well, there you go. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, those are all of our uh, script questions. So let's move on to some questions about you. Uh, so since you brought a horror script to us, we have to ask, well, I guess you already talked about this. You kind of already mentioned your favorite horror movies being Hereditary and uh, Midsummer. Do you, you have any what? others? We're going to make you pick one. Yeah. Ooh, oh yeah. God. Pick one. Um, <clears throat> I, I think I would have to go uh, Hereditary. There, there's mm -hmm. something about what the family's going through in that movie that I just I don't know why I identify with and can connect to. But I do really like Midsummer as well. I like what uh, you said about how it's like a horror movie in the daylight. So often the uh, horror movies over rely on darkness and it's shadows and it's stuff you can't see. So I thought it was clever to have all this horrible stuff just happening in broad daylight. I also like horror that comes from 
the things people do, because I think ghosts and, and all that can be scary. But if you look at some of the things human beings are willing to do to each other, I, I think mm-hmm. that's scarier than anything else. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I, I think part of what I loved about <laughs> Midsummer is just that it is a lot of times you don't see horror movies that are also beautiful movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I I thought that just the, the overall design and look of that movie was you know, unexpectedly pretty for a horror mm-hmm. movie. And I thought that that juxtaposition was really cool. Of yeah, it. I was so again, happy like when you those, said. Yeah, I was so happy when uh, those movies came out because I was like, oh, it might be possible to do what I want to do now. <laughs> I might actually right, right, right. Know, have a shot. For sure. Uh, okay, next thing. So you actually sent us five scripts. So there's this one. Uh, I'm just trying to refresh for you. Um, so this one, The Monkey's Paw, The House on Jericho Street. Uh, the Nightmare Anthology, which is longer, and then The Brothers, which is feature length. So mm-hmm. tell us about your favorite one of these besides this one. Uh, probably would have to be Brothers. I very recently, just uh, about two weeks ago, was contacted by someone at a smaller studio that uh, wants to make that one. Uh, so awesome. it, it could potentially be my first feature. I'm still waiting. Unfortunately, I've been writing all this time. I haven't posted it until I think it was 2017, 2018. I started actually posting stuff online. And right when people started showing interest was spring of 2020. Uh, what yeah. else happened in spring of 2020? So unfortunately, a lot I've, I've probably would have had a good seven or eight things made now, except for all the stuff that's fallen through because of yeah. the pandemic. So um, so that's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, people's safety is much more important, but it, it still sucks, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> for like sure. Really, of all, all this time, it has to be right now that people are interested. But um, but that script, I really um, really poured a lot of like my uh, heart and soul into, and um, I love the characters. I love the story. It was one that uh, I think it, it's like 95, 96 pages. I wrote that script in three days, and wow. uh, and then I did the second draft in I think two, two or three again. So less than a week to get that to a place that I was happy with it. And uh, I like a lot of the themes that are addressed in it. Um, it, It's one of those where I can really see like every frame of that movie in my head. And so that's one that I really hope does be fortunate enough to actually get made because it's a good one to start on, I think. For oh sure. yeah, That's well, awesome. well, I hope to be uh, watching it someday, whether it's online or in a movie theater. So I'm uh, <laughs> hope hope we get to see that one at some point. Same. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's same for you. Yeah. Mm. Um. So we, honest honesty hour here. We stalked you a little bit on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. and Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, your latest post is about uh, your writing process on a new feature, love, death, mm-hmm. and everything else. And you had this really interesting circular chart with some plot points written around the edges. Uh, we'd just love to hear you talk about that and what the role it plays in your writing process. Oh, cool. Uh, well, I saw this YouTube video with a guy named Seth Worley, um, and he makes uh, independent short films and stuff. And um, he used that as called a uh, story clock. And what he uses it for is basically you break down your script in a circle and uh, you have your first act cap, your midpoint and so on and so on. And you write all the scenes like in kind of bullet, bullet point style and you use it for symmetry basically. And it's a good way to pace your story because if you have a lot of scenes happening in the first quarter and then a lot of scenes happening in the last quarter but then you're kind of mid hump of your second act is kind of bare and you just have two or three little scenes then it's a good way to say okay clearly my pacing is a little bit off here i'm going to have a really short second act and my movie's going to be 70 minutes long so mm-hmm. i should probably restructure this in a way so that there's a good flow around the clock and i found that very helpful that that's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Um, you know, I took a couple writing classes in college, um, but uh, I, I think that is really interesting. You know, because I, you know, I think there are a lot of movies that are have a have a good plot and you know good characters and everything. But you know, it, I feel like pacing is something that's that's mm-hmm. really important for me. So I think that's a really cool way of approaching it for sure. Yeah. And and I like to write a lot of stories that are pretty talky, and it's a lot of dialogue, character driven stuff. And so mm-hmm. if your story's not moving at a brisk pace people are going to tune out it doesn't matter how interesting the dialogue is if it's just people talking and nothing moving along 
uh, people are going to lose interest. And so I try very hard to keep a good pace. I'm not one of the people that has like 200 page first drafts. I would like to be, but I'm, I'm just not. I'm so yeah. good. At, like the one thing I've always been able to do and do well is concisely describe something in just two or three sentences. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't have those super, super long first drafts that I have to then go back and cut a hundred pages out of or whatever. Like, yeah. I, you know, yeah. Well, they do totally say agree. brevity is the soul of wit for a reason. So mm-hmm. that's true. There you go. Nice one. Uh, so we actually just have one more question for you. This is also coming from our social media stalking. Um, yeah. We see that you're a gamer. Yes. D- have you ever played Fortnite? <laughs> I have not. That that is one that I don't. It just does not appeal to me. I get a lot of crap. I, I get a lot of crap for it, but I just it's just not my type of game. <laughs> that's that's okay. Because we saw. I know. I remember seeing Skyrim was one of the games that, and, uh, that the you Bioshock posted. games. Yeah, yeah. Which yes. are definitely very different different oh, games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what appeals to you about about games like that? Uh, I'm a big fan of story driven uh, open world games where you mm-hmm. can just kind of make a person and go go nuts but i also like uh things like bioshock things that are very character driven and feel very much like a movie um yeah i really i i like the way that um i i think probably more than anything because of graphics we've got to a point where things like the last of us you know things like that can really tell a story and not just be a game you can Absolutely. actually feel like you watched a movie or something no. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, I uh last year uh played um the God of War game, and that's oh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the the way it's uh for for those of you who don't know, um the way it's sort of shot, quote unquote, is that it all looks like it's just in a one shot. So mm-hmm. like there aren't really any cuts, like you know, even between your actual gameplay and the scenes. And I think that's just a really cool way. And the gameplay is outstanding on that too. So uh, if you haven't played that and you own a PlayStation system, I would recommend it. And you own mm-hmm. a PlayStation system. Well, it's the <laughs> it's only it's a PlayStation exclusive, Lauren. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Uh, and I didn't want to just say PS4 or PS5 because, okay, well, I fair. guess if, it's one of those two. You have to play it on, I assume. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that those are all of our questions for you. Uh, this was a really fun interview, man. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, no before we let you go, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know, uh, you know, we've talked about a couple of your upcoming projects potentially, but anything else that you have that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I do have a few things in the works. They're still in kind of the early stages where we're in basically pre-production. So hopefully this time next year, I'll have some more things out. Um, I did finally get a short film made. It's on YouTube. It's called First Glance. So if anyone mm. wants to check that out. Absolutely. Is it on your YouTube page? No, it's on um, Ardent Productions. They're, okay. the ones, they're the ones that contacted me about making it. I put it up online and they found it and it contacted me and I was like, yeah, go for it. Awesome. awesome. Well, we will have the link to that in the description below. Uh, and we will also have Steven's email in the description below. If you would like to reach out to him, uh, read any of his other work, mm-hmm. um, feel free to do so. Yeah, and Steven is a well sought after writer. So you you got to get on this. Yeah, you got it's, it's, it. He's, he has stuff going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, let's go, people. Come on. Yeah. Pick up the pace. <laughs> well, all right, Steven. Thanks so much again for coming on, man. Uh, we had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time, too. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Have a great rest of your day, man. Yeah, you, too.